0: Welcome to the C3 Church Vancouver podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. For more information on our church, check us out at www.c3v.ca. Okay. That just was to drive out the religious demons. Chumbawamba. (laughs) Circa 1990-something. Whoa-ho. I'm telling you. You know, we're not staying down for getting up again. We're not going under for coming up. All right. Somebody says, what are you doing under the circumstances? You know, what are you doing under there? Get out of there. You know, we've had a few circumstances, right? You need to just read, read, read that. You need, it's, it's, it's important. There's a couple of things in there that's really important. One is not just explaining the cardboard floor, but there's a great metaphor in there of an, an amazing church in New Zealand, um, the Cardboard Cathedral. I had had invitation to come into Christchurch immediately after the uh, first earthquake to gather with the ministers because I'd done some... <laughs> I've done some disaster relief spiritual work in the tsunami in in um, Japan. And it was a very interesting thing because, um, you know, one of the things we noticed all around the city, the major churches were collapsed because they were all built 150, 100-something 100 years ago. And um, because of uh, earthquake, you know... Um, Specifications, whatever, I'm looking for the word there. Um, Relating to a century ago, uh, the churches really were terribly affected by the earthquake. And um, the great iconic cathedral went down, uh, among many others. But, you know, Christians have a great history of pushing back. Because we've got resurrection in us. We actually don't die. We just get back up again. (laughs) We don't roll over and die. I've got to say this, Kiwis don't either. (laughs) I need to say that for my friends. We've got folks from Christchurch who really saw some of the, and and personally suffered some of the worst of what happened in that um, earthquake. So, you know, in a way, um, it's a little poignant that they're here. But there's a metaphor in that, people. The church comes back. The church finds a way. And I got invited back to Christchurch when they opened the cardboard cathedral and had the ministers of the city come in and serve them a great breakfast. And uh, the Canadian bishop of New Zealand, she got up. I loved every part of that sentence. She got up. And said, this is the first time we've been able to have a meal in the cathedral. Because back in the old Greystone Cathedral, we were not able to have food in there. Isn't that amazing? Amazing what you can do with a cardboard cathedral. (laughs) We have a way of coming back. Praise God. And that so serves my ends. Look at this. Push back is the subject today. And I'm starting... Series. So read up on that. The second thing is you're going to find out what's going on. We are working according to a program. On the very back of this little flyer thing, it explains how the work in progress is in various phases. And that's from our leader uh, leadership group, our Crosstown Shift Planner, that uh, diagram. And uh, you'll see that we're about number five. That's where we are. And uh, we'll be progressing through to number six come through summer and the fall. So get yourself up to speed with what's going on because it will explain. You know, you know. You can think we should be going faster or we could be having more meetings. You bet we could be and we will be. and <laughs> uh, There's the other things we can do now that we have our own home. But we're bringing it up to speed. Obviously, flooring is a big thing and uh, furnishing is also. So have a look at that. See the progress we've made? It is phenomenal. Look what's happened thus far. It's been absolutely brilliant, all the people that have done so much work. Uh, would be just uh, bad if I started naming names, but I've got to name Mike and Nat for managing and overseeing so much of what's been achieved here. So amazing. So, 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 so amazing. All right. So, okay. So push back. Push back. Whew. I want to punch out some devil lights. I, 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 you know, I, I, it's a little risky because you start a fight, you've got to finish it. You know, I come from a hood. I do. I come from a hood. A, a very gang-ridden hood. I grew up with some very serious gangs around me. You had to align yourself somewhere, even if you weren't a gang member. You had to have the right friends. But the problem was, if you're a big mouth kid like I was, you got yourselves into more fights than you were worth, you know? And if you start something, you've got to be able to finish it, all right? And uh, I just... I'm not trying to provoke a fear, but I have to put out a warning today. If you want a safe, peaceable life without hassle, without attack, without kickback... um, you're probably in the wrong church. The, 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 safest, the, safest, <laughs> the safest place is the cemetery. It's always quiet in the cemetery. <laughs> you know, the dead don't talk. You no, know, they don't. Uh, they don't move either. It's a very safe place. But if you're alive and kicking and wanting to go places you, you, you know, in God, uh, you, you're going to stir up. So I've got a new series coming up. Uh, In the next slide, I'll just uh, show it to you. There's there's the boys. Look at that. Aren't they amazing? Um, A new series coming up, uh, which is all about overcoming kickbacks, overcoming setbacks. Um, And uh, number one is, we will arise and build. We're going to deal with a whole list of things where on each kind of attack, there's a certain kind of pushback that we should have or need to have to keep progressing through the fight to win ultimately in the purpose of God. Now, we're doing our series out of the, as it says here, out of the book of Nehemiah. And um, Nehemiah, um, just to kind of praise the, the deal, he sets out in chapter 1 from captivity in Persia to lead uh, the people of God back into their homeland and to restore the walls of Jerusalem. Walls are defences. When defences break down, the enemy gets in. There were certain people who were holding office over the territory. Uh, Some of them were Persian and some of them were Hebrew uh, Jews who were um, operatives of the government, not God's government, that other government, the occupiers. So Nehemiah had to seek permission to come back and rebuild the wall. And guess what? He got it. Cutting a long story short, great story. You see it in Nehemiah 1. He got it. He got permits. To come back, he got political authority, permission, and of course he had God's permission. Now, people, you will remember a key verse to this church is Jeremiah 32, verse 8. Where Jeremiah, 70 years or so prior to this, had purchased a block of land called the Field of Answered Prayer, the field at Anathoth, and God said to him, You have the right of redemption and the right of inheritance for this block of land, buy it. Now, it was not the time to buy. They were under siege and about to go into this captivity from which Nehemiah was now leading the people out. But that prophetic transaction of land, it wasn't just that he had the right to buy that piece of family property and restore it back to the the family, the field of Anathoth, but it was God saying, there's coming a day. There's coming a day. It was God setting a date. There's coming a day in 70 years' time where you're going to need your rights. You're going to need your permit. You're going to dig up your title deeds, and you're going to wave it in the nose of every opposition that's going to try and stop you from repossessing. You know, if you don't pay your exorcist fees, you get repossessed. Don't look so serious. We don't charge, we don't charge for exorcisms. Uh, anyway, so... Okay, just moving on. (laughs) But you have the right of redemption. We have the right of redemption. And we've seen all kinds of wonderful um, metaphor in that for our moving into a building that was originally dedicated to the purposes of God and uh, raised up by a great man of God who was a mentor of ours in our youth. And here we are kind of restoring it back, at least the top floor, to its original purpose. But that's all metaphor of a good thing that God's doing for us. But we're going into something a little larger than that this morning, although it is applicable in the process of our coming in. And we have to be able to assert our right, to pull out our title deed and to say, we've got a purchase on this. Get back, devils. And Nehemiah faced all this incredible opposition. 1 Peter 4, verse uh, verse 12 says, uh, this won't come up on the the screen, but it says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. (laughs) The guy walks back with all the authority, political authority was backing him, sent him letters, and he's got God's permit, he's got the title deed of Jeremiah, And he comes back, and next minute, everything erupts against him. Those that were in local power, local government, set out to stop him from coming in. And all hell broke out against someone who was coming to repair the defences. I want to help you repair defences. I want to help you build the walls of spiritual defence in your life. But in doing so, if you're a willing participator in this series, you're in for the fight. You've got to lay hold of your title deed. You've got to lay hold of your promise. You've got to lay hold of God's word. You've got to be sure as sure that the right of redemption is in you. I'm sure that it is. But you've got to be sure, because we're going to be punching devil lights out yeah. along the process. Now, Nehemiah's name means the Lord comforts. I don't know whether that stirs up Immediately in your mind, the fact that the Holy Spirit, Jesus introduced him in John 14, verse 6. He says, I'm going to John, John, yeah, I said that right. John 14, verse 6. I thought I said 6, 14, but John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper or uh, other translation, the comforter. And he's going to be in you. All right. Nehemiah's name means the Lord who comforts. He's a picture of the Holy Spirit. He's a picture of the the moving of God's Spirit in a time of restoration. He's a picture of God's Spirit who comes, listen, to build us up in our defenses to make a resistance on evil and the devil. You see, when when it says the Holy Spirit is a comforter, it's not just saying He's a consoler, you know, This is not, you know, Patty Patty lost her bag for about an hour and a half last week and we were in mad panic. I was actually driving through a tunnel on my way to the airport to Sydney when the phone call came through. I've lost the bag. It's got all the keys in it. I can't go home. I can't drive the car. But then I thought of the building, right? All the keys of the building. You've got to know, if we lose the keys of the building, sorry, Patty, if we've got to lose the keys of the building, that's like the keys of the kingdom have been taken (laughs) from us. You know, you can sleep on the street patio. Somebody will take you in, you know. But look after you, there's plenty of cars. Your kids will take you home. But, But don't lose the keys of the kingdom because there's a big price to pay, you know. Uh, if, if we lose the keys here, all the people downstairs and the commercial properties, everybody's got a key in there, is, is going to have to have security keys renewed. That's going to be a lot of money, right? I wasn't thinking dollars, but... <laughs> But, you know, we, we nearly lost it there for a, for a second, and it's like, whoa. I was on attack there, but anyway. But, whoa, the devil will do anything to cause us to lose our peace, right? And to disrupt. I thank God that we found the keys. Um, some really good person safely wrapped them up in carpet. As it was being cut, cut. But at least they weren't stolen, right? I need to just say to you: be, be mindful of your bags when you're in here. We, you know, we don't vet people who come through the door, and uh, you know, just be be security minded. But, but but continuing on wherever I sort of left my trail there. Uh, don't don't think it's strange concerning the trial that comes on you. It's 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 going ahead. Peter warns us. There's going to be a slap back. I almost want to apologize to all the leaders because I took them into a fight from October on. Once we decided, they drew a line. You've got to know what's happened from October on. I can't go through the list. It's, a, it's an unglorified mess. People have been stalked. People have had things stolen. Sickness has hit the home. People have lost jobs. It's just like people have had uprisings in the office. I'm talking. This is amongst the leaders, and that's all in my office. <laughs> I didn't lose a job. But, but truly, there has just been one unholy assault. And I go, oh man, I, I'm, I try. <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. This is what it takes. We've been around for years. It's not about a building. It's not holy. But it's about taking ground. Eternal consequences are fought and sought out over pieces of ground. Always. (laughs) We learned this when we were about 22. We were in an office that was a burned out garage. Like a service station you know, fixing cars up. In the Blue Mountains of Australia, it had been burned out. And all the walls and things had cinders and charcoal. On I don't even know where they would have passed the safety thing. <laughs> and I was a Christian organization's graphic artist, or one of them. Bits of ash would fall onto white paper, like charcoal drawings that you never designed. And we did church in there. We had pre-meetings in a a room in the garage at a sloping floor. We had to cut a channel across the floor because the water would seep through the back from the subtropical thunderstorms and come seeping down the prayer room floor into the little channel. You could always hear the trickling when it was raining because it was just a little bit further over in the room. There was water running through the room and out under a door out onto the street. Kickbacks. (laughs) Oh, my God. So we decided that we're going to buy a block of land, and we did. We found a block of land. We went to the real estate agent. We put down a deposit, I think we, you know, organisationally. And um, we decided with some excitement to take the whole staff up to the block of land to walk on this block of land. It's like 40 acres on a ridge looking out over towards Sydney. We had designs for a massive big conference centre. We're going to put up a great big you know, like a 30-foot cross with lights on it that you could see from the opera house, which had just opened. And, you know, we cut like this was. Phew! So we all went up to our land to give thanks and to rejoice. We went up there to give thanks and rejoice. We were standing on the land in the midst of... It had been used for a market garden. We were in the midst of dead cabbages, if you remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and this irate, farmer-looking dude comes powering across the plough turf. What are you doing? Today? Get off my land. He had leased the land, but the owner had sold us the land. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he hadn't yet stopped his lease. We were now becoming the owners. <laughs> becoming. But immediately, there was a confrontation. Immediately. As small as it was. It was nothing. With a lot of hot air, we just politely said, "Okay, (laughs) you'll find out we've actually bought this sunny boy and you'll be paying us money. But anyway, (laughs) I happen to know when we walked into this building, you do too, the the very first time we came in here, right outside the door, seriously folks, what was it, three people got shot. And isn't not a particularly dangerous hood? We've been, we've been resident for a longer time in a much more dangerous hood. But you know, I don't know whether the trouble follows us. But all I'm saying is when you make a move, eternal consequences are sorted out on that piece of ground. It's much bigger than the thing itself. It's a warfare... For the progress of the purpose of God. And this is what was happening with Nehemiah. He comes back with permits and permission from authorities and from God, and all hell breaks loose against him. Don't be surprised about the fiery trial. First Peter four says. First Peter five verse eight says, "Be sober-minded and watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion." People have often tried to make a, an exegesis of that to say, "Yeah, he's only like a roaring lion. He's not a real. Or he's, he can only gum you. He can't bite you." You know that is not Peter's. That is not Peter's intent. He's not saying, "Hey, have some fun with the gummy lion." He's warning. He's warning. Saying, this beast will rip you apart. If you're you're unsuspecting, if you're not engaged, if you're not alert, if you're not... There's certain other guarantees for you, but it's, it's not just in playing him down. So Nehemiah, the Lord's comforter, the Holy Spirit comes to us, not just to console, that's where I was going before, not just to console us, but to build us up. But to strengthen us. That's what it means when it says, He's the comforter, He's the helper, He's the strengthener, He's the supporter. Now, I've made Nehemiah for me applicable as a book with a simple formula. I'll just throw this out there for for your own use and reading if you like. But first, it's, it's simply this there was resistance. Repeatedly all the way through the book of Nehemiah. There's about eleven or twelve of them. Resistances, some of them a bit subtle in terms of how they're portrayed, but this resistance to the to the work he was doing. Secondly, there was Nehemiah's response to the resistance, so the Holy Spirit activates against the enemy. You've got to know that God is on your side and He's already working for you even before you pray. I just got to say that God's not a God's not a sort of a tired old warrior God sitting there, um, kind of waiting for you to yell. You know, He does want you to yell. He does want you to fight. He does want, but 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 He's not, you know, He's not like a father that says, "Well, until I get into trouble, I will let them alone." You know, I remember my auntie leaning out the window. Um, because she was watching my cousin and I go out on some mud flats and we were about a mile out getting into the really soft stuff and every now and again we'd gurgle down into mud up to our waist you can't move, I've got to tell you, you can't move the tide was coming in somebody said you better get those boys in she said oh they'll find their way in when that tide gets up to them they'll find their way in we did Auntie Doris knew what she was talking about But you can't do that with the devil. You know? And God doesn't do that to us. He wants you and I to be strengthened, wised up, to get into the fight, because we are proactive. Not just protecting. Not just defending. We're going out to win. Praise God. So there's resistance, there's Nehemiah's response, and then there's the people's response to Nehemiah, and that's our response to the task. That's our spiritual warfare that we're talking about. Now, I want to throw up a key verse on the screen. In Nehemiah 2 and verse 20, look at this. I love that. Those guys, aren't they amazing? Uh, Nehemiah 2.20, and this is from the Message Bible. I shot back. Is that on that one there? I shot back. I I want to load your gun. You know, they say, she makes the bullets, he fires the shots. (laughs) Sometimes. In some ways, I want to load your gun for you to fire the shots. I want to give you, each week in this three-part series, maybe three or four each time, shots to make in the pushback. Against the enemy in the fight. I shot back. The God of heaven will make me will sh- uh, make sure we succeed. We're his servants. And we're going to work. Rebuilding. In other words, a rise and build. You can keep your nose out of it. You get no say in this. Vancouver's none of your business. 300 2520 Ontario's Street is none of your business. Jerusalem is none of your business. Boy, talk about a pushback. I shot back. So let's have a look at the first of these attacks. Nehemiah 2. This just nothing else comes up for a while. I'll give you an application in a minute. But um Nehemiah 2, verse 8 to 10 says, The king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. That's all that permission thing I was talking about. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite uh, Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people. Why, Why would you be displeased? You see, the arrival of Nehemiah provoked the territorial powers. Those that were in control, those that were subjugating the peoples, those that had vested interest, were immediately threatened by Nehemiah's arrival. It displeased them. Greatly, You know, it only takes a little push and shove on people's vested interests for them to become instruments in the hands of demons. Right. Mm-mm, just, just a serious stuff. Right. The, the, the devil is looking for, the, he's looking for the, the wicked who just play into his hands anyway because that's what they are, they're his friends. The devil's friends or demon, demonic. You know, they look for the demo- They look for the wicked, but they also look for the willing. Right. And there's another kind of agent that the enemy uses. It's it's people who have vested interests. They're not necessarily charged up with with wickedness and occult ways and dancing with the devil. I nearly called the series "Don't Dan- or "Devils Don't Dance." But you know, the, the, there there's another kind of person. There's not Necessarily dancing with the devil, but their vested interest is ungodly. In other words, they have, they have things they're holding on to. They have control. They have desire that is for themselves in the deal. And it, strangely, you've got the wicked, but you've got these people who are willingly led. Because the devil provokes in them on their vested interest. See? But there's also somebody else is the weak and and, and a bit like it's degrees of of awareness of wittingness Uh, the wicked they know what they're doing the the, the willing are sort of unwittingly but the weak are, are thoroughly ignorant but because of weakness they fall into the hands of the demonic who uses them look When Patty and I first moved the church up into the Granville Rise area, this side of Broadway, further down, some years ago. Okay, so I'm down in Kitsilano Beach Park. Thousands of people, apparently, you know, like, I mean, I never counted them. But it was on a sunny, beautiful summer day. Thousands of people. All these people enjoying the sun. But I could see... Di- diagonally, right across the park, I became aware for some reason. I believe it's the Lord, but I could see way in the distance a determined, disheveled, rugged looking guy making a beeline towards me. Now, I mean, he was there was no reason to think at one end of the park or the other that he was looking at me, but I did. And he was making a beeline toward me. And as we were walking along, I was talking with David Anderson. And uh, we were just walking along and I kept looking and, I, and he was getting closer, he was very determined. Eventually he gets up there and he had his hand out in a full sucker punch, right? He was coming up to go bam. And as he came around, just enough streets smarts growing up in Manukau, I, I, I was able to push his hand Go with the momentum. Push his hand so that he stumbled off, hitting my face and head and down onto the ground. All my old biker, you know, compatriot kind of learning with my friends came in. I wanted to finish it off, but that was not to be. I'm a man of God. But as he did this, as he did this, he says, we know who you are. Well, who the heck's we? It's what I call a full house. We know who you are, and you're not going to get us. Now, he's paranoid. He was obviously one of these sad and sorry people we see around our city because of drug, paranoia, drug-induced paranoia. But he would have really left me cold had he hit me. I, I don't know whether it was a week or 10 days or two weeks, but very close. So we're in Indigo. Chapters on Granville on the corner. <laughs> and next minute, I hear Patty causing a fight. <laughs> now, Paddy's what you call in New Zealand Napui. It's a paramount tribe. You don't mess with Napui. I grew up with Napui, they were my protectors. I married a daughter. There's this woman, not that woman, that beautiful lady. There's this other woman, disheveled, paranoid, yelling at Patty. We know who you are. You come to get us. You're not going to get us. And I thought, wow, that demon's bouncing around town, isn't he? (laughs) You walk into town on a mission from God. You're stirring them up. You're stirring them up. There's a flare-up. There's a flare-up. That's what Nehemiah faced. A flare-up. My first problem here is flare-up. Man, we had a flare-up in the first month of taking taking those keys. Bam! Lots of you, leaders particularly. A flare-up. What's the flare-up for? It's intimidation. It's to intimidate you. It's to, it's, to, it's to get you to back down. You've got to see how the, the devil uses people. Ballot, his name means um, moon god, or uh, actually the moon god was called sin, but it's not a play on words, although it can be. Um, and it means um, the moon god gives life, or sin gives life. If sin doesn't give life. The wages of sin is death. You know? But, uh, but um, that's a lying spirit. That's a lying spirit. Other gods do not give life. They take you down. They destroy your life. They play up to your feelings of good and desire. But what they're doing is they are destructively pulling you apart underneath. And that's the same ballot. The, the, the accomplice is Tobiah. Now, Tobiah has a good name. So you've got enemies with bad names and enemies with good names. Tobiah, he's apparently Jewish. His name means Jehovah is good. You know, i I just got to put it out there. Beware that sometimes opposition comes through good names. It, It may enlarge as we go through the series, but there is a religious spirit. The demon can play through Christians who are in the the willing and the weak zone. Yeah. We've known over the years in the work of God that some of the opposition that we've faced that's been vehement have been the rising up of legalistic Christians. They hated the music. you know. Well, if you don't like the music, like I said, have church in the graveyard, that's fine. They don't <laughs> sing down there either. You know. The Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, maybe you'll get there before us. (laughs) Now I'm being naughty and nonsensical, but in another point, you've got no idea how fueled up Christians can be sometimes over minor issues. Don't let's become like that. Oh my goodness. Don't let's become let's be large, big and spirit. If they're different, they're different, and somebody's difference is being met, God's need is being met because of their difference. And, you know, you know what I mean? You know? When I handed the church over to John and Dan Pierce on the Sunshine Coast, he was doing a live application series on um, Christian behavior and sex. Not so much about sexual behavior, about, you know, the issue. And um, he... He, he, he took a kind of a, you know, a culturally relevant, um, humorous approach in an advertising statement about, you know, dealing with sex in the city. You know, there was a church down the road that fully organized to come out with placards and march around the church where they were meeting in opposition to them for using that title, sex in the city. Yeah, Haven't we got something else to fight about? Yeah. If I don't like it, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't be there. It doesn't matter. But see, opposition can come in different forms and ways. The devil uses the wicked, the willing, and the weakest. But I want to tell you, having said that, because I was really building up on a point. And the point is this. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. In Ephesians 6 it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. There's two things being said in what I've just said. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, it says. We don't war according to the flesh. And in Ephesians 6 it says that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. There's two things in that. One is our opposition is not the people through which opposition manifests. See that? And number two, our tactic isn't to have a comeback that is fleshly. So we don't punch them out. You know, we don't punch them out. We don't ball them out. We don't pull them down. We, you know... We don't resort to flesh and blood tactics against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual warfare with spirit, needing spiritual tactics. Now look, here's Nehemiah's response. <laughs> You've got to read it. Go home, homework. But in chapter 2, with the opposition mounting, with the flare-up, with the intimidation of Sanballat and Tobiah, what does he do? He doesn't jump into the newspaper and write articles about them. He doesn't call down fire on them yet. He, he, here's what he does. He just takes his darn old time. Like Nehemiah, don't you know they're seething down there? do you know that they're working on a plan to get rid... He just takes... He doesn't react. We don't react, we respond to God. He doesn't. The Bible says that for three days. I mean, within those three days, they could have taken him out. But he didn't react. He, he doesn't. Three days. And then he goes out at night. Takes a, a trusted soul with him. He goes out at, and he says he told nobody. And he rides across the ruins. So, listen to this. Restraint, reconnoiter. You know what reconnoiter is? You don't know what it is, do you? You're going to learn a military word here this morning because you're in a fight. Reconnoiter is when you slip out and you have a good look at what the enemy's got, what needs to be done, and you're making assessments as to the tactic, as to the response. My father used to have to do this thing called night patrol in the desert in north africa during the war and they would tell me these stories you know you'd be you'd be out across the wire in no man's land as close to the enemy as possible you could hear them talking you could see the burning of their cigarette you, you could smell their food huh? and you just had to keep silent but your your, your job was to figure out how many guns they had, how many about assists, How many people they had in that dugout or that trench and, and what kind of weaponry it was and get as much information as you can and if possible, nab one of them with a bayonet, quietly. I don't mean kill them. Bring them back. Because you have to get a lot of information before you actually do an assault. Restraint. Reconnoiter. Then he comes back, and this is, this is this is in the text here. Then he comes back, and um, he talks to his he talks to his people. Um, verse seventeen, chapter two. Come, let's build the wall uh, that we may no no longer suffer derision. For I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words of the King that he had spoken to me. So he 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 had restraint, he reconnoitred, and then he reassured the people of the good hand of God upon him. And he re-envisioned them. He said, we've got permission. We're going forward. We've got permission, we're going forward. We're not, we're not backing down here. So There's that little progression. I'll give it to you like that again. Restraint, reconnoiter, reassurance, the good hand of my God is upon me, and revision. You see, he said, come, let's build the wall of Jerusalem, this is verse 17. That we may no longer suffer derision. Derision means taunt, contempt, insult, humiliation, intimidation. We're not going to be intimidated anymore. But we've got a plan. An incremental plan and we're going to go forward. One of the things about spiritual warfare that we will have to learn and hopefully can convey through this series, it's not all about just being in a prayer meeting shouting. You know, we've, we've tended to define spiritual warfare as an aggressive mode of prayer. Yeah, it's a little bit like that thing Patty buys for my coffee, half and half. It's some of that, for sure. But the other half is strategic thinking. The other half is walking in the vision. The other half is reassuring yourself of your right to redeem. Of your task and your calling. This is what the Holy Spirit is coming to do for us. So I would like you to put up my... First of my little application slides, but here's the people's response to the comforter's prompt, to Nehemiah's prompt. They stood their ground. They said, let us rise up and build. And they strengthened their hands for the good work. They strengthened their hands. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's there, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And having done all, stand firm. Here's your first pushback. When you've reconnoited, sorry, when you've restrained, you didn't react and go crazy, you've reconnoited, you've reassured, and you've revisioned, having done all, now stand. You're making a stand. You're not on a retreat. (laughs) You're not retreating. You've not got reverse gear on. You're just winding up to slip the gears to move forward in a slow rolling tank. That's going to blow the enemy out of his position. But you stand firm on the ground that you have, the ground of permission, the ground of right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So there it is for today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might having done all to stand firm. Listen, the people responded to Nehemiah in chapter 2, verse 18. They said, let us rise up and build. When he did all this, then they said, let us rise up and build, so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Hey, listen, refuse intimidation with a constructive rise up. Don't be put down, push back. But don't be intimidated, stand up. Push back by standing your ground. That's the first pushback. The first pushback is, you're not backing down. The first pushback is, hello, devil, you thought I would run with your intimidation. With all the noise you've been making, with all the threats and whatever, with all the pressure, with a sudden flare up. Well, I've got news for you. I don't think it's strange that you are flaring up because I'm a Bible reading Christian. This is something that's coming against us for now. But all I know is you're a loser. We'll get to that. Praise God. I hope I'm helping you. Stand your ground. Nehemiah said, I shot back. Here's one shot for you to make this week if you have never shot back at the enemy before. Stand your ground. Be strong in the Lord strength of his might and having done all stand firm be constructive not destructive they said we'll rise up and build Here's 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 what we can do sometimes under pressure I'll rise up and cause a mess I'll react all over the show I'll kick the chairs over I'll blitz my brother I'll blame shift, I'll do this, I'll do that. Hey, 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 calm down. Don't be in the wicked, the willing, or the weak, but be strong in the Lord. The Bible says they strengthen their hands. Be strong in the Lord. And stand firm. Would you stand with? Oh, I'm so looking forward to this series. Thanks for listening to the C3 Vancouver podcast. For more information on our church, check us out at www.c3v.ca.